let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening. Welcome to Thursday Night Babble. I'm back. I am back, folks. People was back in the house and he's with Cousin Mud. Hello, Cousin Mud. Hola. Welcome back. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, did you miss me on these Thursday Night Babbles? Um, oh. I mean, it is it is more stressful having to host a pod, I suppose, like. I mean, yeah. the pause, you've already fucked it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You fucked it. Uh, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. Um, <laughs> we, we we have a lot to talk about tonight, All as always, on Thursday Night Bobble. On all the podcasts, we always seem to find a lot to talk about. Um, we have <clears throat> Josh Cavallo, who's come out, an yeah, Australian... Uh, Football in Australia has come out, obviously. Um, I always get the name A-League, isn't it? It's the A-League in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about that and how brilliant and brave that is, but also how, like, why we shouldn't still be in a, in a society where they feel the need, players feel the need to be afraid to then do this. We're going to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> Nick Miller had a brilliant piece in The Athletic on what do we want from our football pundits following on from... Gary Neville and a few other performances the last week or so. <clears throat> We're going to talk about Emmy Martinez and the Arsenal. Apologies for coughing as well, folks. I've just hoofed a carbonara into me and I think it's still stuck in my throat. Oh, this geez. always happens to me in Thursday Night Babble. Why do you do this? I don't know. We're going to talk about Manchester United and Oli possibly Gunner Solskjaer. Uh, he's still there until uh, s- Saturday, I think it is, they play Spurs. I mean, you'd hope Spurs do the honourable thing here and get chinned. So it's Solskjaer stays in his in his position, but we'll see. And best and worst moments are our teams and any other business because we have a few questions to answer. Uh, Jonathan, first up on on Josh Carvalho, a real just a, I think it was just a lovely moment for football for mm-hmm. Josh to come out and 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 come out as gay and do his video. And there's been so many great. Um, comments for him and there's always been dickhead ones which I'm sure we'll talk about as well but what did you make of it when you saw it coming up on, on cross socials? Um, I was actually a bit surprised Um, it just kind of came out of the blue but obviously this has been in the works with, with Adelaide United in the background probably for for a couple of weeks Um, him putting out his video and things like that I think it's very interesting that it has came out now you know even and not to take that away from you know, the brave thing that he's done, but Newcastle being taken over by uh, a group of people that really don't agree with the way he wants to live his life. Um, but yeah, it's incredibly brave and we've needed someone to take that step for football. Um, and you can see, you know, the players, the clubs that were, were tweeting him yesterday, it's just the whole football world seems to be behind him. Um, and, you know, something like this shouldn't have to be as big of a deal as it is but 
it, it is the way it is at the moment. And um, it's just, it's, it's really, really nice. You know, I have a lot of um, family and friends that are, are gay. Uh, and yeah, sports and, yeah, so it, it's just, it's really, really lovely to see that mm. he was brave enough to do it. And um, I watched his video and he said how for years he's, he's been living this double life. And he feels, you know, so happy now to be able to, to let people know and to share it with his family and, and the footballing community. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. It's it's about time somebody was brave enough to do it. And I, you know what? In saying that, I can completely understand why other footballers who who probably are gay haven't wanted to come out because of the way, especially in England, the way some fans get on are a complete joke. But I mean, fair play to them. It's it's a big step to take, and to be the first footballer to come out and say it, yeah, like he's he's got my backing. Oh, 100 percent. He's all of us on on the babble are. <clears throat> So supportive of, of him and any other um, footballers from the LGBTQ community, any other sport, uh, athletes as part of that community. That's 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 something all of us, which I'm so proud of uh, as part of this podcast, not only because you're, you're all my mates as well and to your family, um, like to, to be so supportive of that community because like, me and you both have family members quite close to us that, that would be from that community. And, and we don't want, that, like, for instance, if, if Finn, my wee man, if, if Finn grew up to be part of that community, but he was also a smashing footballer, I'd want him to be totally comfortable in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't want him to, to to have to hide who he is, and I wouldn't want him to, to be afraid of the abuse and certainly ref- obviously receive some. Well, anybody who re- uh, sends abuse to Finn will, will die a painful death at, at my hands, but I wouldn't want, you know, <clears throat> any of that coming anyone's way. So it was just it was a, it was such a lovely moment and and there has been so many great um, tweets from clubs and players. PK sent a brilliant tweet to him. Mm-hmm. It's telling me I don't know you personally, Josh, but we're all behind you and uh, proud of you and different things. There was three tweet. There was two tweets from two clubs though that I'm not saying the person behind these tweets wasn't meaning well because obviously they were the admin, but okay. to come out of Man City and uh, Newcastle when we know how um, human rights are, are at the minute and, and LGBTQ rights are at the minute on these state-owned clubs in their states. It, um, it it was definitely the right thing to do, don't get me wrong, but it just stunk a little I, bit. I didn't um, see their tweets. I, I don't know. They, they just tweeted the same things. That, you know, like a lot of people were obviously saying, like, uh, okay. we're all part of you and we're all behind you. You know, lo- a lovely message. Uh-huh. But when you look at it, <clears throat> yeah, that wouldn't have come, obviously, from the owners of those clubs. No, uh, probably like, not. Because obviously there's an admin anyway. And I'm not saying every club and their owner would tweet. But just to come from those clubs and those clubs be owned by states that do not practice uh-huh. uh, equality with the LGBTQ community. Um, it just felt like even like like Russia as well wouldn't have a great um, history around it, and then obviously Chelsea had tweeted, and this isn't a go. At Ch- this isn't a go at these clubs individually. I'm not. I'm not having a go at them. It just felt when I looked at it, I just uh, there was there was tinged a little bit for me because I was like, well, hang on here, and even though Chelsea have been brilliant, the club mm-hmm. themselves, it just there was still a little bit of a. a um, uh, not a weirdness isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. It sort of tinged yeah, yeah. a little bit because you're thinking, well, hang on, what do you, what's going on in your in the country that this club's owned from? 
mm-hmm. that should be. But it's still a brilliant, um, brilliant week for him. Like, we're all really proud of him. Brilliant. Hopefully, um, more people can get behind him, and hopefully, more athletes can now feel it safe to come out. Because yes, unfortunately, there has been some assholes that'll tweet abuse. We'll never get rid of that, I don't think, in society. We're, there's always going to be assholes. Um, but there's been more positive, uh, more lovely messages coming out, and hopefully the more more of them keep coming, and it'll allow people then to, to feel that they can come out and they can. And we get to a point in society where, not that not nobody cares, because obviously you, you care about everyone, but where it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're gay, cool, right, whatever, pass me the ball. Yeah. Do you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of way. So hopefully we are heading in that direction. Um, it's, uh, hopefully we are. Hopefully we're heading there quick because that's where where we all want to be. But yeah, I, I thought it was lovely. And can I can I say as well there was a, there was a, an amazing uh, moment at Arsenal uh, this week mm-hmm. where a fan brought his young son who had autism to to the game. I don't know if you saw this or not, Johnny. Uh-huh, yeah, um, and <clears throat> so obviously. Uh, and, and I've worked with adults and, and young children that have had autism beforehand and I know my wife does, uh, works closely with them as well. So, you know, we know what, what, what we know what, what it's like. Um, and obviously this man's young son sort of struggled as you would do. As you'd be overwhelmed yourself. And it was your first time. 50,000 supporters in the ground making a lot of noise. So we wanted to leave at half time, which is which uh, which is fair enough. So that the father, the dad was taking him out, and a lovely steward spotted this and asked where you're going, and he said, "Oh, this is what's happening." And they managed to go into a sensory room at Arsenal at the Emirates and watch the match. I actually was emotional reading it. I didn't know this is the way that tale was going to end. To see that there, I think that is such an amazing, amazing moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the the sensory room actually was set up a couple of seasons ago. Um, I think Arsenal were one of the, the clubs leading the way for that sort of thing. So, I mean, when, I, when I've talked in the past about things being the Arsenal way and that's how Arsenal are classy, I mean, that's that's the classiness of the people that, are, that work at Arsenal um, at that level anyway. Um, yeah, very nice. I've seen I've seen a lot of people from different clubs actually write to that game. Um, and Arsenal themselves even even tweeted the guy that put it up, um, saying how they really enjoyed having him there. And actually, the guy that was in the sensory room looking after them, they put a photo up of him and stuff, and said he loved having you there. So, yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice the football clubs um, can offer that to fans now, um, especially the top clubs. You know, when kids want to go to games and you know do have autism, like because. You know, football should be for everybody, like we said, and it's it's really great that 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 night, you know, was potentially going down the wrong way for them, and they're having to leave early, and the wee man wasn't enjoying his first game at the Arsenal, and it completely changed around for him, and they had a great time. So it is lovely. It's lovely to see stuff like that, you know, across the board in football. You know, whatever club get, can go above and beyond for their fans. So yeah, it, it was nice. It was. It, it, it probably you probably seen it from me retweeting. That's probably how it came up on your page. But uh, yeah, lovely, lovely, um, real classy from from the Arsenal staff there. Um, I think it was actually a, <clears throat> a woman's shirt who who noticed. It was the yeah, female shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't think they ever found out her name, but well done to her for for spotting it and making that wee boy's night and probably the dad's too. Like, you know, because oh, I it's probably a struggle for him too. So brilliant, really lovely to see. So we've started the pod off tonight with two lovely moments, but let's get crunked up here, Johnny. This is what the Thursday Night Babble's for, really. 
You're about to unleash uh, the badness. Oh, oh right. <laughs> um, I haven't a chat, chance to chat to you about this, but pundits. Well, obviously, we planned it, but I mean, we haven't had a chance to chat about what, what Gary and I have at the weekend and different things uh-huh. on the pundits. Pundits. Nick made a brilliant piece on Athletic. Go and read it if you're a subscriber. Um, on what do we want from our pundits? Fair enough. What do you want? And I'll answer after. What do you want from your pundit, Johnny? What What is your ideal pundit? I'm going to be truthfully honest with you, as you will expect. You know that I don't listen to a single thing a pundit says because they're all full of fucking <laughs> shit. And that's the honest truth. Like, I'm just... Like, you see Sky and stuff like that. I don't turn on the football until the game's about to kick off because they're so full of shit and most of them get paid too much money to talk too much shit. Jamie O'Hara is one of them. But there's a guy <clears> who's <throat> pundit and he's been a pundit for a long time and I don't understand how is Graham Souness. Like, I do not know what he brings to Sky at the weekend. I mean, I, I actually quite like Gary Neville as a pundit and I've agreed with most of the things that... He's quite um, well balanced, you know. He, he had and what he said the weekend about um, Solskjaer, and he doesn't want to see Solskjaer get sacked. He he did actually say the same thing about Wenger. I, I do recall him saying that at the time. Like so, yeah, you can you gotta just agree with him there and say yeah, he did say that. And maybe he is just trying to use that as an excuse not to say Solskjaer has to go. But I suppose more more like. If I have to pick up on it, more like Gary Neville, someone who's well balanced, doesn't really show a bias towards a team. Like, I mean, I talked to you at the start of the season about Jimmy Carragher and the way he was getting on <laughs> when Brentford played Arsenal. I mean, it was just fucking ridiculous. Like, I, I completely get that he probably has no connection with Arsenal, probably was glad to see them get beat. But I mean, you're tuning into a channel there where there's fans from Arsenal fans from Brentford both watching the game. And you're just winding people up doing that. That's not I don't think that really is what a pundit's job is to do is to give like a professional opinion on what's going on on the pitch. And I just think a load of them are just on there to beat you. I think but isn't it Brenton said on Monday evening about BT or maybe it was Steve, sorry, I can't remember which one was BT had the likes of Ferdinand and Scholes. They did have Michael Owen, like the Owen Hargreaves like and all these types of fellas, like you know, and they're not really given a great insight into the game. Like Rio Ferdinand is the biggest dickhead going, and I'm glad <laughs> Liverpool fucking hoofed United on Sunday to stick it up. What, my what, what are you? What are you? What like? What I want, and like what I want for my pundit, I I want to learn something, right? The greatest pundit and co-commentator in the history of the whole. Thing that in my lifetime, and Steve will know who I'm going to say. He probably, he's probably actually, he's probably him who planted the seed. Is Tony Romo? <clears throat> I've mentioned Tony Romo before. Mm-hmm. Tony Romo does yeah. the NFL, and he's obviously an ex-quarterback. Tony Romo was able to tell you what is coming two or three moves away. He's able to tell you what's going to happen as the snaps about to be made by the quarterback. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen here. He's able to walk you through it. You feel like you're learning something from him. When Gary Neville is talking about tactics. Uh, you feel like you're learning stuff. Even Carragher's good when he's talking about defensive tactics. You feel like you're learning stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They're great that way. What I, I first of all, Gary Neville, I don't expect him to come out and ask for Solskjaer to ever be sacked. Like you wouldn't ask for your mate to be sacked live on TV. You just wouldn't yeah. do it, regardless. Well, no, that, and, that, I, and, and, and I'd be, I'd be really, really disappointed in him 
as a person if he did that or a friend. And people, I don't get, and I really don't understand people asking so much for it. There's been a lot um, of chat, chatter on Twitter, social media this week. Um, for Gary Neville to wise up, you're a clown, Neville. Talk, like, be honest. Uh, you know he needs to be sacked. This is one of his mates that that people are asking from Dan to be sacked. He, do, it's obvious, right, that there needs to be a change at Manchester United manager. We've been saying it for months, whatever. It's obvious. Solskjaer isn't going to do. That's fine. But Neville can only go... He can only do so much. He can only say so much before he could ruin a friendship. All for what? Because people wanted to hear him say it on Sky so they could get... Um, they could say, rub it up you. Get away the fuck with that. I I enjoyed on Sunday. Obviously, I enjoyed Sunday. But yes. all I enjoyed on Sunday was that he was able to try and talk about it and look at it and try and think this is what's going on. And he wouldn't. He didn't He didn't ask for Mourinho to be sacked. He didn't ask for Van de Gaal to be sacked. He didn't ask for Wenger to be sacked. He didn't. But he's trying to put across why he thinks something would happen. Like people were saying to him, people were saying about Sunday, um, and they were getting annoyed because he said I would keep, I would keep Ollie there because he doesn't want, you know, Carragher was saying to him you wouldn't want a top class manager, and he was trying to say no because what Neville's trying to think is he doesn't th- he thinks he doesn't think the right man's out there available. Obviously, and he thinks if you got someone like Conte in, you're gonna actually have to go back a little bit before you go forward, and then it'll be too late. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Which I get too, and I think Conte would be brilliant at United, but I get that as well. The, United should got Pochettino when they had the chance. That's obviously obvious now, and they made that mistake, and now they've got Solskjaer, whatever. But what I, I what I want, as I said, from my opponent is I want to learn something. Now if I'm like you. I wasn't watching. I don't watch the games beforehand. Um, and I wasn't watching a lot of what people were saying afterwards. I was catching snippets here and there because too much of it was turning into clickbait at times on, on all sorts of channels. Too much was turning into nonsense. And But when they dial down into it, when something major happens and they dial down into it, what's going on, they can be brilliant. Like, and they have a platform where they can educate us and they can. Like, if you watch the overlap, you're watching it at the minute um, with Neville and Carragher. Mm-hmm. They talk about it at the end, where they talk about like you know, they don't want to do this job, the the uh, Monday night uh, football, forever because it'll get too stale and they'll need to change it up soon, you know, and get new voices in and get people talking and 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 they're right, like you do need to keep it fresh, but Monday night football needs to go needs to totally focus on breaking down games and showing us why things happened. Now, talk about if there's something happened and there's politics going on. Certainly, that is a good platform, but break it down and tell us why, um, how Firmino plays the false nine role as well as he does and how he performs so well on Sunday. Show us what he was doing. Do you know what I mean? Show us what what has changed in Arsenal to get into this run. Like, if Ramsdale, is he's the key cog, has it been Partey coming in the midfield? Show us what has been changed. Do you know? Show us Tony Rudiger. And how he is one of the top class centre halves in world football, and show us what he does differently, how he does in marauding runs, how teams can't stop him, and how he causes so much trouble. Show yeah. us this stuff, you yeah. know, rather than get into a slagging match back and forth because nobody wants to watch that. And I get people will say, a lot of people say Roy Keane because he's straight talking. That's good too, but Roy Keane talking about football, we don't hear enough of it to know if he's in how good at it is. When he should be, he should be absolutely world class at it. He should be, but we never hear it because he gets, I don't know if he gets caught up with 
the image that he that he has in a sky portray of him or whatever, but he gets caught into the not good enough. Show us some of this. That you know, it, it sounds boring. Whereas I think there there would be a, a tactical brain coming out of such or keen sorry where you could listen to him and go, oh, hang on here, look what he's he's showing us. But I, it it and and as for as for talk sport, get into the fucking RC. No, no, they're, not even, they're not even worth mentioning to be honest. Um, I, I listened to Ali McCoy was amazing on his friend Walter Smith. Um, mm-hmm. he was amazing on him this week because Ali McCoy is brilliant. I I love Ali McCoy, brilliant co-commentator. He's, he's just on talk sports. So I don't listen to him enough and won't listen to him enough until he leaves. But um, he was good for that. But as for like talk sport, is just there to drum up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nonsense! It's not, it's not. I don't read it at all. But there is BT and Sky have a massive platform where they could do something. The Monday Night Club with BBC, they'll break things down a little bit and talk about it too. It's very good. You know these channels where they get the pundits on. They, for me, it has to be focused more on what makes the game. It is like show us what's been done different. Do you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have they have people like Jimmy and Janus on who tries to explain tactics or whatever but it's just complete bias and like i mean the semi-final against chelsea a number of years ago there where tottenham got beat 4-0 i mean he went on that spurs should have won the game because they more possession or something i don't know it was just it's just stupid i think on on roy king sky had put him together with mika richards to try and get like this comedy duo sort of thing going and like that's not roy king at all it's 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 just silly but like you say it's just for clickbait I found it quite interesting. I was listening to um, an Arscast this week and James McNicholas was speaking about um, Gary Neville and, and Jimmy Carragher because they were on Friday night um, doing an interview with these these fellas. And Andrew Magan, who was on with us, asked him, what, what are Carragher and Neville like, you know, off camera? And he said Jimmy Carragher came up to him before they started filming and was talking to him about, you know, Bits he's wrote in the Athletic, all these different articles he's wrote, wrote about or talked about, and he was talking to him like, "I agree with this, don't agree with this," and like really went in depth. And he said, "Carragher and Neville go into such detail and depth with other clubs, which really surprised you. You probably would think that they'd be so biased to read about Liverpool and Man United, but they don't. Apparently, they really, really do go into depth with other clubs and read what people are writing about them and take a real interest. And like you know, I'm not really a big fan of Jamie Carragher, but." To be fair, from what I'm hearing, and James McNicholas is, you know, a writer and you know a podcaster that I probably respect a lot and, mm-hmm. and have a lot of time for his for what he puts out there. So for him to say it not kind of had me thinking, right, maybe Carragher isn't all bad, but the Brantford thing still pisses me off. But I mean, it's it's still it's still good to see these guys are actually taking it serious. Like like we said about the other guys that are on there, the likes of your Paul Scholes, who has got a shout out in this podcast quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Like what a fool! He goes on and just talks absolute muck. But and like you said, that's what it is. It's all about clickbait, clickbait. Because now there's Twitter and Facebook that people can get likes and retweets and shares and all this sort of nonsense. Expose Sky further or BT. And it's just it's just nonsense. It's waffle. But then I kind of think, Phil. Sometimes we grew up watching these guys play. You know, when we were growing up and. You know, like your schools and all were playing football, and we had the, the other pundits beforehand. You know, were, were people our age then thinking they're dickheads because they watched them and they hated them? 
But then you sit back and you think about it and you're really like, no, I mean, when you, when, you, when you listen to what they're saying, they're actually just talking shit and not explaining <laughs> anything. But it's like you said, they're, they're, not, they're not teaching you anything. They're not breaking down the game. Like, I know he done completely wrong and he's still an absolute fool, but Andy Gray, I remember back in the day, used to break down play with a circle player, said, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. This is why this player got pulled out of position. And I thought he done quite well with that with this guy <clears throat> back in the day before he was a complete arsebag. Um, so there, there are there are people out there, there are former players who are can be great pundits. But I think so many of them got caught up in this trap of having to clickbait people and get, you know, say something. Paul Scholes would say something good about Man United to get Man United fans going, yes, Paul Scholes, just to piss off Liverpool fans. But then again, you look what happened on Sunday and Liverpool tactically absolutely destroyed Man United. Destroyed them. And I, I've, I've heard this week, well, but if United had scored that early chance, I think, Lads, you just got to score that early chance to still would have got hoofed. Do you know? Like, I mean, I really enjoyed Sunday, Phil. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it sounds like he did. I really did. <laughs> um, <laughs> d- we'll, um, we'll, we'll move on from pun- who do you, Who do you think current player would be a brilliant pundit? Current player? Hmm... It's hard to really know. Mm. I'm not sure. Maybe if you if you give come back to me next Thursday, I might have an answer for you. I can't really think off the top of my head who who would be a, a good pundit. Do you know who I think would be a good pundit? Uh, Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson. Yeah. Probably just talk about drinking iron brew flat out and. <laughs> I don't think he'd. Um, I don't think he'd. Uh, he wouldn't. He, he's a character like, and he. I, I don't think he'd be shy of saying. What he thinks, but I also think he he'd be quite good. Like he'd be quite good. He might like they talked about it as well at on the overlap, and they 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 bring in different guests, and they actually said Declan Rice. I was like he'd be one because obviously he does a lot of stuff with English media when he's there with England, and he is full of beans. So they might even have him on soon in the show, which would be interesting. It'd be quite a young player to come on to talk on Monday Night Football. It'd be really, in- I'd I'd watch that to see what he what he's thinking, what he makes. He's only. Was he in early twenties? Like so, yeah. that'd be quite cool. But yeah, someone like Robertson or someone like that, I think would be. Henderson be great. might be quite good. <clears throat> I think Henderson will be a coach, but yeah, possibly quite good. I'd love, I would love to, I'd love to have, uh Chabi Alonso, or like a Cesc Fabregas, or, um, you know, someone like that, Paddy Vier, yeah. someone. Someone sit down on Monday Night Football and be like, right, this is what's happened this week midfield-wise, or this is where this has changed, and where the game has changed here, because I'm, the way I'm the way that's planted in my head is that I was listening to a rugby podcast today, and they're talking about how rugby has changed now, and Eddie Jones has picked his England team uh, for the World basically in, in view of the World Cup in two years' time, because rugby has changed. It used to be a kicking game, and now he says it's more balanced. And I'd love to hear what a footballer from five, six, seven years ago is looking at now and talking about the press and what's changed and how he thinks it's, you know, someone that's been involved, talk about it, break it down for us, what's changed, what is so key here and key there, but that's, a, that's an idea. I'd have, maybe we'll just do it on, on the Babel. We'll get we'll get Xavi Alonso on and he can he can do it for us. Break it down on the for us. Break it down for us. Um, someone that, that uh, also got broken down at the Emirates on Friday night was Mr. Emmy Martinez. 
Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, Aston Villa and Argentina is number one. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't be your you wouldn't be his biggest fan at the minute, Jonathan. Um, I never had a problem with Emi Martinez uh, when he went to Aston Villa. He's he's just started to bug me a bit because he just <laughs> doesn't shut up about Arsenal. Uh, he's got quite the confidence now, hasn't he? He does, and you know what? He's every right to be because, like you said, yeah. he's number one for Argentina. He won the Copa America with them in the summer. But he's, I don't know, he just doesn't have a fuck up about Arsenal. You know, it's, it's weird. Um, James Mint Nicholas actually mentioned in the pod this week again that he was speaking with Villa's um, <clears throat> writer for, for the Athletic, who covers them. And he kind of thought initially that oh, people are just trying to make a big deal out of this. And maybe it's the questions that some. Um, some people are asking him, and apparently the guy that covers Villa turn goes, "No, he does talk a lot about Arsenal now. It's it's quite weird." So, I mean, there there it is from from a Villa uh, writer himself. But I don't know. Emmy Martinez just seems to have this obsession with Arsenal. Like every interview he seems to do now is brought back to his time at Arsenal, and now I wasn't given the opportunity here and there. And it's it's like everyone said, if Martinez. Like hadn't got a chance there at the end of that last season, season before when Leno got injured. If Leno didn't get injured, nobody would have given a shit if Martinez was sold for two, three million in the summer. He had a couple of good games, yes. There was a small portion size there to kind of see if he really was going to be number one for Arsenal. But this move we've in hindsight now with Aaron Ramsdale and he's been fantastic since he's came in. But I'm really glad we stuck three past him on Friday night. And there's an image of him on the ground after he didn't save the rebound and the penalty, just looking absolutely miserable. In the yeah. mud. Yeah, I enjoy that very much. He's <clears throat> he's playing great, and like he he is obviously he is a good goalkeeper. Like to be Argentina's number one, they've won the Copa America. He's he's class of penalties. Yeah, um, he is. He's brilliant. He's he's got a lot of cojones. He's got a lot of attitude. I'm looking forward to Liverpool come up against him. Again, um, to see how he gets on, and see how he gets on against Salah, obviously, and his mates. Um, I, I like that about him, but I can understand. I, I tell you what, I like that about him now. When we play against him, I'll hate him for 90 minutes, and then I'll go back to liking him again. And I understand, too, why he probably does keep mentioning Arsenal, because as happy as he probably is at Aston Villa and the fact he's playing in Argentina, he probably feels like he should be Arsenal number one still, and he's probably hurt. Um, and he didn't get the chances or he didn't get to stay on but um, and he probably will always talk or slightly mention Arsenal you know players do like um, but I do think it's quite funny that uh, he obviously turned up on Friday night and you slapped three past him and um, there was a little bit of jiving and all going on but I, I like him I think he's great I think he <clears throat> he could possibly end up being a World Cup winner with Argentina next World Cup as well which would be mad for him but um Goalkeepers are a mental bunch anyway, Johnny. They're absolutely insane. Um, yeah. And he's I, I love it when he's up against... He seems to love being up against um, Alexa Ronaldo and even uh, Colombia, uh, what do you call him? The Everton centre-half, uh, Yerry Mina. He absolutely yeah, yeah. goosed him in the penalty shootout, which was uh, which was very, very nice. Um, before we also just rattle through this week's pod as well, sir, and, and uh, talk about... Solskjaer and is he going to be going or whatever Ronald Koeman was sacked last night uh-huh. and uh, Barcelona well Xavi's going to be the manager but he's not going to be the manager yet because 
Barcelona have brought in a former fullback. I think it's Sergio. Hang on, I get his name here. But the the Catalonia Clown College are just they just can't stop being at it, Jonathan. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there to be honest. Um, Brenton, Sergi Sergi Barwan is yeah, I can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> Sergi Barwan, he's a former fullback. Yeah, um, I but Brenton text our group chat on Sunday about El Clasico, and I swear, and I honestly, I'm not just saying this. I had no idea it was on. It's just a dead fixture to me now. There's very little world-class talent, if any, on show in that fixture now. It's, it's dead. Like they, need, they need to sort themselves out. Um, it, it is nice to see Barcelona struggling on their knees because, to be quite honest, they have fucked us a couple of times over the last 15 to 20 years. So, fuck them. Uh, they deserve everything they're getting. But I, I think it's, it's also a big gamble for them taking in Xavi. I think actually Xavi's it's stupid to take the job right now. They should have waited another couple of years to sort of their finances out. Um, well, like where's Xavi been? Is it Qatar he's been in? Uh, yes, that's where yeah. he is currently. Bit different than La Liga, Barcelona. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he gets on. Maybe, maybe he might be all right. But I, I certainly wouldn't have taken take the job. I suppose it's a bit like Frank when he got the opportunity to go to Chelsea. He wasn't going to say no. His club, um, I don't know, but like, what what do, you, what do you think about Barcelona at the minute? I feel like it is obviously they were one of the leading members of the Super League at the time because they need the money, but they've screwed themselves by <clears> giving people big contracts and, I mean, ban players for over a hundred million. Like they didn't just buy one player for over a hundred million. They bought they bought was it two or three maybe Dembele, Coutinho, and I can't even remember what they bought Neymar for, but. It's just there doesn't seem to be anybody there who's taking control of of money or decisions. It's just like ah, fucking that's tomorrow's problem, and that that seems to be Barcelona's philosophy. It's crazy. I uh, I it's it should be it'll be written about it'll be written about in years of of um, how to ruin a, cl- a super club. Uh, like the state they're in right now is just wild, absolutely wild from where they were. And I'm not just talking about they don't have Messi anymore, because before Messi they still were one of the big clubs. They still were winning Champions League. Still were challenging. Uh, they also like players like Ronaldinho, Rivaldo. People were wanting to go there, and now you look at it and, and like you always thought as well that the the biggest players in your leagues the best players in your leagues like the likes of Germany England France Italy would want to go to Spain and go to Barcelona or Real Madrid that was the way it was always going to be and now that couldn't be further from the truth mm-hmm. couldn't be further from, which is why like like Mo Salah obviously at the minute informed player in world football no intention of going to Barcelona whereas four, five, six years ago if Mo Salah wasn't at at the rate he's at now Liverpool we would be going in the January thinking, oh, bollocks. He's going to end up at Barcelona. And now it's like, nah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, definitely. And the fact that two of the main protagonists, two of the hanger-oners for the Super Club, Juventus and Barcelona, were both chinned by two small, small clubs in their league. Sassuolo beating Juventus on Tuesday night and Barcelona beat by uh, El Tigre 
Falcao and Rayo yeah. Vallecano, the smallest. I think they're the smallest team in the league at this minute. At the minute, this season, beat them uh, last night. It was just like, just an absolute chef's kiss for football. Such a chef's kiss for that to happen. Um, the first time they, they've ever beat them, I think. Or yeah, and, and and they used to be Barcelona used to be the team like in the Ronaldinho era. I know, well, I know, obviously, enough for yourself. Um, with what happened in Paris, but they were the team as well you would love and you'd love watching. Uh, me for me anyway, it was yeah. always Barcelona. It was Sunday night sky and it was always Barcelona. If I could watch Barcelona, yes, perfect. No real love for um Real Madrid. I had a Figo top when I was younger. My dad got me, but still no real love for them. But it was Barcelona. Love watching it, and now you're just like, and it's not like because of the players on the show aren't great or anything. I know what you mean. It's not that. He's just like, I've no no love for them now because of the way they've been doing business, the way they've handled them. They used to stand for something. They don't stand for it now. And, and maybe Sergi Barwan, he has a big interim task on his hands trying to get a couple of results till Xavi's ready. Maybe going back to Xavi, the way they went to um, Pep, maybe they see that as a, as a start to go back. The two brilliant, the three brilliant youth prodigies in there and Ansi Fadi, Gavi and Pedri. Mm-hmm. So there's something to work from with there, but they're miles off from winning the Champions League. Absolutely miles off from getting anywhere near it. And they won't win the Liga this year. I think that'll be, possibly will come through. It'll be Atletico Madrid, although it's looking pretty good for Real Sociedad at the minute in La Liga. But they won't win, they won't win anything major this year. And, and it's, like it is sad too, but then when you think about it with the way some of their fans would get on and the way they would have been getting on, you're thinking, mm, not really much simply for the Catalonia Clown College. Mm, they get on like they have a self sense of entitlement. Like they should be winning La Liga or Champions League every year, every other year. Uh, they should have the biggest players at their club. Mm-hmm. You know, no player should be beyond them. They 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 fucking come in for plenty of our players. You know, from Henri to Clev to Fabregas, and you know, from the the whole Fabregas thing as well. Why not be straight up? You know, they're. Pique and Puyol were fucking putting Barcelona tops on him when he was away at Spain and fucking about and that whole I kind of got over that. But then there's things that's done since then that I just don't agree with. And like uh, like more than a club is your motto, but it's just a lot of bullshit really. whatever Barcelona were is long dead in the ground. You you're right, you're talking about you're talking about players like Ronaldinho and Rivaldo were all of Barcelona. I, I remember Romario and Stoichkov. Like, I one of my earliest memories of Champions League football is them absolutely hoking Manchester United. United were in the black Umbro kit, and United couldn't play Cantona and Schmeichel because in those days, I think it's ninety three, ninety four, you're only allowed a certain amount of um, foreign players in your squad, uh-huh. and then they had to go obviously there at the new camp. So, uh, like whatever way, whatever way that rule works, Schmeichel and and Katna couldn't play. And um, <clears throat> Barcelona, I remember watching this, it was on ITV, and watching it in our front room, Rumi and my dad were in on Sunday watching it, and just being in awe, awe of Romario and Stoichkov. They were unbelievable. I think Steve Bruce and Pastor were playing that night. They were absolutely unbelievable. You can check it out on YouTube, check it out. And that was my first sort of reckoning or noticing of Barcelona, and then always remembering those colours, like even those colours, so stand out but just now you look at them you just think nah and, and they have Brit, so like without Messi obviously yeah, they have still brilliant players but if they were just a little bit better coached 
Mm-hmm. There's such a, there's still a very good team there. Like you, you would want to tune in to watch Frankie De Jong and Pedri run a midfield with Busquets. You'd want, you would want to see what that's like. Um, and Ansi Fadi up front, but just the minute now, you're just thinking, no, nah, it's stinking. Now, maybe when Javi comes, it'll change. I personally think, yes, the Messi handling is the biggest uh, bollocks they've made. Um, uh, the second one is how they handled Neymar's money when they got it. That was just daft. Sid Lowe had a brilliant line at the time. I think I've said this before in this podcast. Just don't, just don't do anything with that money. Just don't, don't spend that money. Don't do anything. Let it sit, get through the season, and then reevaluate. But they went out and spent it on Dembele and Coutinho. Um, sure. The third thing, the third biggest balls they've made recently is still not having Luis Enrique in charge. Because he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, Luis Enrique for how good a job he did. Now, he had Suarez and Neymar Messi. Yes, that's fine. But they were such a brilliant team that time when they won the Champions League against Juventus in Berlin. They were an outstanding, they won the treble, outstanding team. They don't get enough mention because Pep's team, rightfully so, gets a lot of mention because of how they, they were the first to sort of do that and come through. But they were such a brilliant team on Enrique. And if they still had him in charge, they wouldn't be in this position or they wouldn't be close to it, I don't think. But they've made yeah. a balls from from the top down and, and now they're having to rebuild. And it'll be an interesting story because... They will come back. Football comes back around. It does. You get new protagonists coming in, don't get me wrong, but the main ones will still be there or thereabouts. The real ones that have had so much success will still come around and be there and thereabouts. That's why I say to you all the time, I think Arsenal will come back into it. They will. Um, do you think but it'll, it'll be interesting? Yeah, I do. Do you, do, think, I do. Do you, think, do you think even yeah. Barcelona, like, I mean, with the money in yeah. football now, I just think, I, I honestly, I mean, honest to God, I cannot see Arsenal winning another league title in my lifetime. Honestly, I really don't mm. see it. That's meant. What is the crack with you and Steve throwing your own teams under buses this week? It's absolutely insane. Um, I I do think Arsenal will win it again. Um, I definitely do. I think. I think such Arsenal a... will have to sell their soul. I mean, honestly, we'll have to sell their soul to get. But Liverpool didn't have to sell their soul. But it's different now because we didn't have fucking Newcastle before. And now with Newcastle City on the par of Chelsea as well. And Manchester United. Manchester United will always be about because they're fucking ginormous and they have so much money. They're stupid. But they're spending stupidly. But this is the thing. Liverpool, yes, before anyone shouts, Liverpool did have money. I'm not saying they didn't. But they spent their money so well. And they spend their money so well. All it takes... Is for someone to be the Leicester won it. Do you know what I mean? They didn't go out and spend absolute fortunes. Lille won it last year in France. They didn't go out and spend absolute fortunes. I'd let them do spend a lot of money, but they have punch and, and get back into it. Do you know? I I I do. I think Barcelona will one hundred percent be back. Unfortunately, they might be in a Super League, which might help them. Um, <clears throat> they'll be back. And and as for Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal will be, they'll be back in challenging. They will be, they'll come around again. Don't know if it'll come around in the next year or two. I don't know if they're ready, just I don't know if they'll break in the top four. I don't think they will this year. But they're in a really good spot at the minute, Arsenal, which is good. And I do, I definitely, definitely see Arsenal coming back into the reckoning because teams like that do. 
You know, you go through periods. I had lived one for 30 years where we didn't win a league night. We won two Champions Leagues, a couple of FA Cups, a couple of League Cups, a Europa, or the UEFA Cup at the time. Yes, that was great. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. All of it. But we came back and we won a league and then we're back up in there again. It, it, it'll 110% happen, I think. I think it. And within your lifetime, I, without a shadow of a doubt, I foresee it. I think Arsenal will end up getting very, very close to top four. Possibly next season, I think, because um, I think they'll go about it the right way. I think there there's signs already now that things are happening in Arsenal that have done quite well in, and and I think they can if they can ride on that quest if they can get themselves back into Europe even for next season, I think they can kick on. But it's all about patience. Well, Arsenal, I don't. I'm not saying they're going to get in the top four. In two years' time, but I think they'll be get close to it again, and they'll start to make headway. I I, I do envision that. I do think that'll happen. Like, there's a good core that there is there is there is a good core that Arsenal team. I think I think Ramsdale has been amazing. I think William Saliba is going to have to come home from Marseille because he is playing unbelievable. Um, Gabriel Ben White's been good. Partey, if he can stay fit, is good in midfield. Emmy Smith Rowe, Saka. You know, Tavares, um, Kieran Tierney. There, there is a good core coming through in this Arsenal now. Uh, Lukonga, and I think they can do Martinelli. I think they can start to look ahead and think, right, this is where we can go here and this is when we can really push for top four here. And, and all it'll take, all it will take, I think, for Arsenal is to get in the top four. It's all it took for Liverpool on their club. And once they did it, they were smart, and you had to be smart then. But that that it's like you always say, if you're in club, you said it on Monday. Like you said, yeah. you, you couldn't give a shit who man had go and get because you got your club. You see, we got yeah. Mikel Arteta, and Mikel Arteta is so hot and cold. It's just it's been a wild Fair. journey with him, and you just don't know what you're going to get from his side because he's still learning. He's still learning, yeah. Um, I said this when we brought him in. There's going to be plenty of ups and downs. And there was a period there where I thought, right, fuck, he just has to go because he's making too many mistakes. Like, he, we're on a good run at the minute. We've been unbeaten in seven or eight games or whatever it is. And he, he's doing well. But he needs to keep that consistency if we're going to get, you know, Europa League. But, but if he loses, you just play Liverpool. I don't know who's play this weekend. Leicester. Leicester, yeah. Right, Away, I know he's play us after the international break, I think. But if he loses, say loses, doesn't lose the rest of the game, wins it. But say you lose against Liverpool, it can't be a case where the fan base goes absolutely bonkers again. No, I don't think they can. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous. Like Christ the night. Even if you lose against Leicester at the weekend, they can't go fucking insane. Where it's like Jesus, like now get him out of shite and and stink the gap. It's like no, hang on here. Let's let's actually be a little bit reasonable. Look at the run we've been on. All right, you take it. You take a defeat and you go again because you're going to get like well, in our lifetime, we've only seen one team go unbeaten, Jonathan. You know, it's very rare that you go through. Even when you go through the rest of the season unbeaten, would be very rare. So that's where I would be like, just a little bit. Teams like that, a little bit of patience. Teams like Barcelona, at the minute, you're in, you're in chaos, free fall. Roll with it. If I was a Barcelona fan, this is nuts. Let's just roll with it. 
and fight for the club definitely but let's roll with the results and see what happens but um football like things change all the time do you know what i mean things do change all the time unless you're an everton fan you're just always dungo um sorry kieran uh we we wanted to talk about soldier car as well and possibly uh being a goner um if if spurs have anything about them right if Spurs have anything about them as men and women of that football club, they will let our, they will let Manchester United hook them at the weekend, so he stays in his job. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't know if you agree, but that's all I'm saying. Uh, a wee draw would be lovely. Be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> you just hope- couldn't bring yourself to have a fair roll. Even even Spurs getting beat, which would be a good result for us to have a laugh as well. Solskjaer, you just couldn't be like, nah, nothing positive. The only time I'd want Spurs to win a game is if it resulted in Arsenal winning the league. <laughs> so, and there was an occasion that nearly, I think it was, was it 99? We went into the final day of the season and Arsenal went into the Highbury and Spurs. Yeah, United they had to beat United. Yeah. And they actually Coles, went one up the Andy Cole scored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we actually have a, a question on Man United. Will we, will we tie it into the... Yeah, tie it in, fire it in, fire it in, fire it in, fire it in. So, I don't know who, who put this question in. Bratton just sent it to us. Um, if you are a United player, do you down tools for the next week? No. No. Um, I think I think if any of those players are down in tools because they want a manager sacked, then the first protocol for the new manager is to hoof them out the gap, regardless of who it is. If I was a Manchester United player, I'd be breaking world records for own goals. To be fair, but um, I'm not, yeah, I don't. I really don't think. I really would not like like that to happen. And uh, regardless of what you make of or think of Solskjaer, um, like all, all he's done is um, not coach that well and get some really dung results. Like he hasn't killed anyone here. Like no. You know, it, like, if he'd murdered someone, yes, down tools so the man gets sacked and hopefully gets arrested. But, like, he hasn't done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, he got absolutely butchered the weekend, but he didn't He didn't murder anyone. Yeah, like, like, there's a player that's kind of came out today, and now you've probably seen it. He can't play at the weekend, but Pogba kind of called the sun out on making up a bullshit story about him and Solskjaer basically falling out. Um, Which, which is, is good to see from a player is actually going, like, no, you know, Especially the sun, like fuck your face. Yeah, I saw, I saw that paper that that I won't name. Um, I saw people talking about that. I saw a lot of United fans, uh, sort of supporting Pogba in that, and maybe a lot of them will stop singing about how that paper was right about Hillsborough now. Um, it's not nice, isn't it, when when a certain newspaper talks dung about your football club, regardless of what stage it is or or what it actually says. So maybe maybe they'll see the light on that bit, and it is nice to see someone come out. In support, I, I there is a lot of absolute garbage written about sport in general. So, I, I and I and I didn't I didn't I didn't get the feeling that um tools necessarily were being down, but I I got the feeling that they were just they on Sunday they they didn't know what was going on and they were frustrated. Hmm. But I, I didn't get the vibe. I didn't get the feeling. I will see how they get on here at the weekend. I didn't get the feeling that they were just like, uh, nah, this man's an absolute clown. I don't want to play for him anymore. I didn't get that. Even the Ronaldo thing, he was just being really frustrated, I think. I don't think it was a case of him being an asshole. Who knows? Um, 
I think but, he was good in the last one. Yeah, I and I think really that clip that clip is is snipped really clever because that's actually not that game that Solskjaer is doing uh, that signal for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously did it during that game with that clip. It's to snip it as if oh he's having this. It's it's not, but um, yeah, I wouldn't I I wouldn't be down in tools regardless um, because you're not. Yes, you're playing for a manager, but you're also playing for a badge. You're playing for th- millions of football fans. You're playing for thousands that have paid to go and watch you on a on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon. And if you're down in tools, then fuck off. Yeah, definitely. That's the way I would take it. Um, Especially for a club the size of Manchester United. Yeah. Even for like anyone, like even to do that would just be you know like, have some respect. Like that's why like we love to to jest, and hopefully that some of them are still listening and like. We would love to jet and slag, obviously, myself and yourself, Manchester United, and what's going on because of our friends and family members of my United fans and whatever. But let's talk about this in, in work this week. I would never want to say anything like really, really disrespectful or disrespect like to, towards the fans, you know, say something horrendous like that, where I alienated people that listen to this podcast. Do you know? Because I respect them. Anyone that listens to this podcast, I have a lot of respect for because fair play to you listening to me and you talk shite in a podcast. That's, you know, some yeah. effort. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't mean your football club's not going to get roasted. You're no, like, who 5-0, they're going to get roasted. No, like, um, put it this way, like, you know, Man United fans, I told you before, you're getting what you fucking deserve because... <laughs> yeah, years, I had a years. lifetime of listening to this, like, so... I know, it's they're all... going to win the league every other year. They're pointers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, your time um, in the sun is just, it's set for now. It'll yeah. probably come again. Yeah. And let's be honest, it will come again, they're Man United. They'll come yeah. back. So yeah. we, we, I'm sorry, like we just have to enjoy your misery. We have to take this and run with it. Yeah. Um, you asked me uh, during the week there, like, what are the you were thinking about? You think about me, obviously, which is nice. What was the best three best and three worst moments you've had being a Liverpool fan? Obviously, yeah. in the light of what happened on Sunday, that's yeah. probably known that that is the best. Game, best moment, best match that'll not be topped uh, apart from uh, winning the cha- the two Champions League finals that have saw us win um, the league we had it won and then thanks to uh, the Chelsea lads they beat City, it was confirmed so it was hard to celebrate that one that's why I kind of hope we do it this year in the game but um, that was definitely the best but the, the best is winning the league Naturally, so I hadn't seen as well. I, I had seen it, it doesn't count because it was only like I don't know a year old. Um, and then the two Champions League triumphs in Istanbul and Madrid. But nobody cares about your best moments, they don't want to hear your worst moments, don't they? The worst for me, um, the the all time worst, and I've said it so many times, was the Cantona FA Cup final. That'll never be topped. That see Sunday, that felt for me getting a bit of that back. Um, because that I'll never get over that. I'll never ever get over that, and I probably should seek counselling for that, you know. Um, Stephen Gerrard slipping in the second, that was horrendous. Uh, I can't watch that. Still can't look at it. Just horrendous. Um, so if you ever want me to never talk to you ever again, send that in, and I'll never talk to you ever again. And then the Hodgson era. <laughs> Uh, which I think blew your mind when I told you this. Um, yeah, it did. 
is this the was third. number one, by the way, or was it third? And it, yeah, and it's not. Um, when I say the Hodgson era, what I classify that in, that's the whole thing that was going on. That's Hicks and Gillette, and it's the fact Hodgson was in charge. It was the fact Rafa Benitez was sacked. Uh, Mascherano left. Torres couldn't be arsed anymore. Uh, Gerard was going to be left on his own. We were in a bad state. Um, we, and as I said, we were we were so close to going bust, so close. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was obviously the manager at the time, and he was dung. Uh, for Liverpool, he's been great elsewhere, and like even he was talking about Liverpool being in a relegation battle, and I, I'll never forget that moment. And get, I think it was Wolves beat us, Stephen Ward scored, and us being like, "This is just this needs to end now. This is just too much." Uh, that was the wor- that whole collective because that was on for a couple of months. That that was the worst. I I actually can't even look back at that. You know those jerseys. Even I got rid of that jersey that I had. That jersey, that that Adidas red jersey. It's a nice enough jersey, but I had I got rid of it because I, like, I can't look at this jersey anymore. Do you remember who his first uh, league home game was against? Arsenal. Joe Cole got sent off. Yeah. <laughs> A Mascherano decided that they fuck this out. It was one each, wasn't it? I think it finished. Yeah. Shamark, well, I don't even know if you can count that as Shamark's goal team or like an OG, but yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was um, interesting now to hear that you hate, but it's not that you hate Roy Hodgson. It's just. I don't that, hate Roy Hodgson. I just hated that era. I don't hate Roy yeah. Hodgson. That's, I, just I just bad, hated that era. I don't. I, I don't. I, he's not. He, he isn't a good manager, and a lot of people, I think, over the top, say that he is. Um, a lot of it is probably towards the fact that Liverpool fans just don't have any love for him, and, and then people stick up for him. That's grand. Bear in mind, this is the man that I then went and watched Liverpool under Kenny, not under Brennan Rodgers, I think it was, or was it Kenny? Can't remember. Get chinned one nil. I know it's only one nil, but get chinned one nil by his West Brom then to rub salt even more into my wounds. Um. So oh, do you know what geez. I mean? <laughs> uh, Suarez missed a sitter that day. Ben Foster, I think, was playing for West Brom. Time was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, no love for that era at all. No love for that period of fandom for Liverpool. And it was a time as well where, you know, you were not the results were stinking, but mm-hmm. you didn't care about them because you were fighting for your club. You were fight. We were fighting for Liverpool. You know, to survive. And then, obviously, FSG. Come in, it goes into FSG, win the court, win the court case, FSG get us. Kenny Douglas is appointed. That's such a brilliant time, really great times to have him back and and have him as manager. I know he we won a league cup and whatever, but it was great. He he did do the first part of steadying that ship and and getting things sorted. And yeah, just a a really stinking stinking time was the Hodgenier, and unfortunately, it'll always be there for us to reference. What are yours? Uh, if you don't say Will towards goal and winning that at, at, at Old Trafford, then I'm turning this podcast off. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you three of each, but they'll probably not be in order because uh, I actually haven't given it a great thought. But yeah, Will towards obviously is because that's the first league title I can remember Arsenal winning. Um, and it's just it's one of it's one of those goals that's just it's you know. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows the goal. You know, the commentary, I think, to be fair to Martin Taylor, he made it, you know, from the commentary. Uh, 
Daphne Silva and Tours go over the Old Trafford. Um, the Invincibles, like, you know, winning the league at White Hart Lane. Class. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, I don't think he can kind of top that, really. Um, what would be the other one? I, do you know what? I actually really have a real great memory soft spot for winning the FA Cup in 2014. Um, because Arsenal hadn't won anything in like nine years and the media fucking built this up so much. Like no other club got this scrutiny. They hadn't won anything in nine years and it was just made a big deal out of it. And to come back from 2-0 down, I mean, just the emotion of that day, you know, I was like, for fuck's sake, we're 2-0 down within like 15, 20 minutes. We've done it again. We've went and fucking balls it up yet again. And like to come back and win the game 3-2, it was just, it was brilliant. It was great. Like Arsenal really deserved to win something that year. Um, mm. I don't know they probably should have won the league, but didn't. Um, so yeah, it was just more relief just having that moment. Um, three worst, not in order at all. Um, really grinds my shape that Ashley Cole still went to Chelsea. <laughs> Fucking really does. Brett will love this. I know he will. It uh, does. It grinds the fucking shit out of me. I swear to God. Uh, I loved Ashley Cole growing up. Like he's the reason I am a defender. Well, I was a defender in football. Like I modelled my game on him. I really love watching him play. Like you know, my first Arsenal shirt, I got Ashley Cole in my shirt. Like I'm going to Chelsea. Like because it was like the first time that you know a big player kind of left. Like well, that I remember anyway, had left us and went to fucking Denons. Like you know what the fuck's that all about? You know, it, it, it hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that definitely was one. Um, in terms of humiliation, I mean, the it two at Old Trafford was just fucking grim. Like it was real grim watching. But when you look at that team that started that day, you know, you had freaking Francis Coquelin starting, Carl Jenkins, and just came into Arsenal and was playing. I mean, he got absolutely destroyed by Ashley Young and Wayne Rooney on the left hand side. <laughs> But like getting beat eight two by United at Old Trafford, like until we go out and do what Liverpool <laughs> done by United at Old Trafford, I will never be able to get over that. <laughs> Fucking oh, it was the worst day. Oh, that was day. absolutely insane. It was just mad. Like, uh, I'm probably the worst. Obviously, the Champions League final. Awful. Like, I, I can't even watch it back. I mean, I've mm. seen the clip of Henri running through when we were one 0 up. I think it was in the 70 odd minute. And I mean, if he scores that, the game's over. Like, it's over. Arsenal had the best defensive record in the Champions League that year. And Barcelona. That was a sliding doors moment. Yeah, oh, it was. Oh, it was. It really was. It just. That uh, catapults Arsenal. If they get that, that catapults Arsenal. And, just, but it also it, is like Ronaldinho and his. His Barcelona legacy is getting cemented then, and then it potentially catapults Barcelona because they win that. People are like, "Oh, here we go!" The players that are playing it, they get the taste for it. Next thing, Messi arrives. Do you know, and and he was there, and everybody wasn't picked. Uh, Messi arrives into it. He comes through, and you're thinking, "Holy ghost!" Yeah, it definitely did. It did because you know what, Ronaldinho didn't even play that well. No, he didn't. Larson was brilliant. Yeah, I mean that that's that's honestly the truth. Larson came on and changed the game in fifteen mm-hmm. minutes. He did, yeah. even though Samuel Atto was offside in the first goal. And can I just say <laughs> there's 
there's a special mention also um for them fuckers man united and this is why i'm enjoying every bit of misery you have but we were robbed of our unbeaten run because of man united and referees arsenal should oh, the, well the, the game rooney went around booting everyone oh and he dived absolutely dived to win a penalty so yeah, yeah fuck united that's why I hate you so much. I mean, <laughs> I crave my eyes out that day. Crave my eyes out. Awful. Well, at least your way- unbeaten record wasn't chinned by uh, Saar and Watford. <laughs> but the thing was, Watford, Watford, you know, broke your unbeaten record because they were just the better team on the day. Like Manchester United weren't the better team on the day against us. Like Real Ferdinand should have been off the pitch for a start. Fucking Freddie Lundberg was running straight through and he just fucking pushes him in the back. And not even not even a booking. Oh Jesus. I can't even, oh it does my head and even thinking about it. We're not gonna talk about it too much because I'm just gonna get wound up. Um I we have we have another question if we want to finish up on, on this last question. We'll finish up on this question, yeah. Okay. Uh let me get it up here. So again, sorry we don't know who put this question in, but should Norwich ever be allowed back? into the top flight again after another pathetic season. And we're only in October, by the way, so, yeah. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so harsh. Look, um, Norwich are stinking. Uh, they're going to get relegated pretty soon if they don't have a miraculous turnaround of season. Uh, and it will be a miraculous turnaround. I don't... I don't know what's going on. No, I just don't know enough about what's going on where they are just looking to be, um, you know, a team that like West Brom would do where you bounce up and you go back down, you bounce up and you go back down, you bounce, you know, a yo-yo type team. I don't know. I don't know if that's what they're after because you get so much, you get really good parachute money. Yeah. But I think we're in danger of starting to see a repetition of the same teams constantly coming up. You get the odd one that comes in, like Brentford, obviously, and, and different things, and Brighton come in, where you think, oh, nice, and that that's great. But when we do, you do need to be careful that of teams, and I'm thinking of Mike Ashley run Newcastle, where you want to be bouncing back down for the parachute money, and then you can come back up again because you've got money in the bank and you can do a bit of business in the championship and you can be the strongest team. Yeah. And you come back up again because that isn't sporty. They're like that's just there's there's that's just crooked. But on the case of should they be allowed back? Obviously, yes, they should be allowed back. But what they should do is don't come back up with Daniel Farker. All right? Mm. Because as good as he might have been in the championship, it's not working. Okay, so when you, if you get hoofed out of the league, get a new manager in, start the process. And then come back up and see if you need something, something different. But I enjoyed that question because I enjoyed that our listeners are spiteful little d- uh, douchebags like us. Um, I don't want. Hopefully, I, I was from, I don't think hopefully it was from an Ipswich fan. Yeah, is there is there even any yeah. Ipswich fans left? Um, oh. No, I, I I I don't want them to come back. They're so annoying. They actually <laughs> annoy me. And their their kits are shit. And their wee stadium shit. And their owner is an absolute balloon as well. Uh, I want them gone. I want Brighton gone. And I want Aston Villa going too. Oh Jesus, right? Um, okay. And I know we all That's want, you want... Going. So I think this is just relegates everyone I don't like. Yeah. I well, I mean, fair. I think that sounds reasonable, Jonathan. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. Uh, Chuck yeah. Chelsea down there too, I suppose. There's going to be your Arsenal left. That's going to be it. That's. I think that should be it. I think we yeah. should just be given the league title. You might win the league then. We might. 
we actually might, but no one Arsenal they'd find a way to balls that up too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um yeah, I, I... It is. I, I I love seeing new teams. Come, I really do. Genuinely love seeing a new team coming in and and doing something. Like when Bournemouth came up before, I absolutely despised them. They were a breath of fresh air, and then obviously realised their assistant manager is a complete wanker. Um, I loved it when Blackpool came up. Like that was just mad. Blackpool. That like, wasn't in seen. The that wasn't seen. Uh, and Charlie Adam was like uh, Pirlo for like six months, and then we bought him. Yeah. Um, yeah, things like that. But I do I do get where some people think like. As I said, we're go- we're probably going to see West Brom possibly come back up or something like that again. You're thinking, oh, here these lads again come up for one season and then they're bounced back down out the gap. Um, but uh, that's where maybe the parachute money needs to be changed where it isn't so uh, massive and it isn't so... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, rewarding. You know, like the current top three in the championship, and they're four points clear of fourth, is West Brom, Fulham, and Bournemouth. That's ruined my night. Why did you tell me that? That's ruined. That's ruined my night. That's my night ruined now. Uh, there's Coventry behind them. That'd be cool to have Coventry back. Luton just behind them. Obviously Middlesbrough. We've seen them. We know what they're about. Cool beans. Queens Park Rangers, Huddersfield. We know these lads. Stoke, Millwall. Get the fuck. Uh, I hope Stoke Black- get relegated again. Blackburner down there wouldn't mind seeing those lads back. They were a laugh. Uh, you know, not in the forest. Get them in the frig. Yeah. Do you know? But like, we're gonna probably see Bournemouth. Well, at the minute it's looking like Bournemouth, Fulham, and West Brom, which is just stinky. I hate um, no, dis- no respect to fans of Fulham, Bournemouth, or West Brom, but that's stinky. You're born. Uh, basically, is what we're saying. Born. Maybe have no relegation this year. Uh, but I think Jonathan, that would possibly do us for this week's Thursday. I think we'll have to. For this week's Thursday night babble, um, thoroughly enjoyed myself. The NBA is back as well, John. Just a quick one. Have you been watching much NBA? I haven't seen any NBA yet this season. Oh, good um, man. My my new job means that I'm sleeping quite early because I just have new job this. means you have to actually work. Well, no, it means I actually have to go into the office, which I'm just trying to get a bit used to again. But I'm I'm starting to I'm fine with it now, so I will start watching more NBA and hopefully the Lakers win. Fuck off. I asked Steve last night, um, what's the team you hate most in the NBA? Knowing that one of them is the Celtics, because we had talked about it in the old Babel screen, we both hit the Celtics. Hoping he would say another team, and he said the Bulls because I was wearing my Bulls top and I said my Bulls jersey straight away. So now that I know Steve hates the Bulls, I'm all in on the Bulls as well. That's why I'm going to. I don't know. That's how I'm going to lead my life now. Any, any team, any team Steve hates, I'm going to follow. Any team he adores, I'm going to hate. You have to explain on Monday, probably Monday, why you hit the ball, Steve. Yeah, first, he does. First order of business. First order of business, folks. Thanks very much for listening and tuning into the Thursday night babble. Hopefully, you enjoyed our our nonsense tonight. Uh, I I did anyway. I know Jonathan did. Um, get us on all your podcasts. Just look for the football babble. Um, across like Spotify, Podcast Addict, uh, iTunes, wherever you go. Uh, get us on our social medias at the Football Babble on Twitter and Instagram. Brent does great work on those. Jonathan, the Patreon link as well. Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. One pound a month 
in the Patreon helps us keep producing these podcasts. It's a tiny amount. Anything is appreciated. Uh, and on all those people that have signed up for them, we really appreciate you and thank you for that as well. Folks, thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening. And we'll speak to you again on Monday evening. Enjoy the football and good luck. All the